0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on January 24th, 2016 on the basis of Mark 1, verses 14 through 20. I'm not sure if you have heard, but recently there has been some very good news for the Christian faith. That good news is that every single major denomination in the world is shrinking in numbers That good news is that our world is becoming increasingly secular and increasingly hostile to religion. And that good news is that Christians all over the world are facing intensifying persecution for their faith up to and including death. Maybe you were aware that one or even all of those things were going on in our world. I seriously doubt that you had considered any of them particularly good news for the Christian faith. And I suppose we could debate that question, but maybe one thing we can say with absolute certainty is that, is that some of those things that I mentioned have had at least one very positive side effect on the Christian faith. And that side effect is the elimination of what some people refer to as the large, squishy middle of Christianity. You see, for decades in our country, there's been a fairly significant segment of the population who, who probably identifies first and foremost with the Christian faith, probably considers themselves Christians. But in terms of the impact that that has on what they actually believe and the way that they live their lives, it doesn't really make a big difference. In other words, they're not completely opposed to Christianity, it's just that they're not all that committed to it. The Bible actually has a way of referring to these people, too. It calls them lukewarm Christians. Not hot, not cold. Lukewarm, right in the middle. Well, when a society becomes increasingly hostile to Christianity, it has the effect of wiping out that middle. Without a doubt, there are some people who have turned away from the Christian faith altogether, walked away from church completely. But there are probably just as many, have used that opportunity to really rethink, recommit, and and take seriously, once again, the Christian faith that they have always claimed. And I think you and I would agree that that's a pretty good thing, right? Well, except, except for the fact that 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 large, squishy middle, that's often exactly the place where you and I want to be. You see, that middle, is the kind of place where you can go to church on Sundays and then just live your life the way you want the other six days of the week. That middle is where you can be a Christian without anything else in your life really needing to change. That middle is where you can be a Christian without anyone else in your life really needing to know. That middle is safe. That middle is easy. I don't know about you, but, but very often that middle sure sounds good. As we turn our attention to the word of God that's in front of us today, however, we're going to see that Jesus makes it his mission to rescue us from that large, squishy middle of the Christian faith. Except that rescue isn't exactly the word for it. You see, when I hear that word rescue, I picture someone who's out drowning at sea, someone who is waving frantically for the lifeboat to come, someone who will cling desperately to that life preserver if it is thrown his way. The Bible describes Jesus fishing us out of this middle. In other words, just like fish are with water, you and I are often very comfortable in that middle. We're often very happy in that middle. That middle is the place where we want to be. It's hard for us to imagine that anywhere could be better than being in that middle. And so, if Jesus is going to fish us out of that place where where so often we want to be, and if he's going to pull us into the place where he wants us to be, as you can imagine, Jesus is going to have to use some pretty good bait, right? Today we're going to talk about exactly what that bait is, but first we need to take a look at what it looks like when our Savior Jesus goes fishing for followers. In these verses that are in front of us today, we meet four men, two sets of brothers, You've got Peter and his brother Andrew, you've got James and his brother John. Now realize that these four men already knew Jesus before what happened on this day. They had heard about Jesus, they knew who Jesus was, and they fully believed that Jesus was God's promised Messiah. But as of yet, their faith in Jesus hadn't really changed their lives in any substantial way. Because on the day when this happened, they were out doing what they would have been doing on any typical day before they met Jesus. They were out fishing on the Sea of Galilee. But then Jesus comes along, standing on the shore, and he calls out to them, Come, follow me. It's a substantial request. Jesus is asking them right then and there to walk away from some pretty significant things. To walk away from their business, their livelihood, their families, their homes, their familiar way of life. By making that request, Jesus is also asking them to walk toward some potentially scary things. Mark starts off this entire section by telling us that that the things that happened on this day happened after John had been put in prison. You remember John as the one who went out in advance of Jesus to prepare the people for Jesus, to point the people toward Jesus. These four men had heard John's message and believed it. They had also seen exactly where that message had landed John the Baptist. It had landed him straight in jail. And so now here comes Jesus saying exactly the same things that John was saying and they knew full well that it could very well lead him and very well lead anyone who followed him to exactly the same place that it led John, maybe even worse. If that's not enough, here's the kicker. As Jesus invited these disciples to follow him, he then made it clear that as soon as they did, he would turn around and ask them To convince other people to do the same, he said, Come follow me, and from now on I will make you fishers for people. Yeah. Friends, when Jesus goes fishing for followers, when he asks us to follow him, he asks us to walk away, be willing to walk away from some pretty substantial things. He asks us to be willing to walk toward some potentially scary things. You see, if it were up to you and me, we would just stay right there in that, in that large, squishy middle. We would sort of say, sure, I'll be a Christian, just as long as it doesn't take up too much of my time. Just as long as when I've had a really exhausting week, I can still sleep in on Sunday mornings. Just as long as I don't have to put down my phone or watch a little bit less Netflix so that I can take time to lead my family in devotion and prayer. Sure, I'll be a Christian as long as it doesn't cost me too much money. As long as I can still get that car that I've been eyeing up on the lot. As long as I can still take that vacation to a warm destination at least one time a year. As long as I can still afford all of the leagues, all of the camps, all of the private lessons for my children. Sure, I'll be a Christian, as long as it doesn't make me change my behavior all that much, as long as I can still sort of stand around with my friends and gossip about other people the way that we like to do, as long as I can still watch the movies and visit the websites that I like to look at. Sure, I'll be a Christian as long as it doesn't cost me to face any scrutiny or even any ridicule from friends and family. That middle is exactly the place where we want to be. That middle is the place where we want to stay. But Jesus won't let us. Jesus asks us to follow him. He asks us to be willing to leave behind substantial things and head right toward potentially scary things. And again, if he somehow pulls it off, if he somehow convinces us, he then turns around and tells us to try and convince others to do the same. That's what it looks like when Jesus goes fishing. In fact, it's no wonder that the Bible compares it to fishing because it's really no different than trying to convince a fish that it's better off in the boat than it is in the water. And so again, if Jesus is going to pull it off, as he did with these four men, as he does with us, and as he does through us, as you can imagine, he's going to need some pretty good bait. Mark tells us exactly what that bait is. In fact, he starts this entire section by describing that bait. If you're able, I want you to turn to that lesson from Mark chapter 1 once again and look at verse 15. Notice how right at the very beginning, Mark tells us that Jesus went out into Galilee proclaiming this message, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and take my good advice doesn't sound right, does it? That's not what it says, is it? And yet it's so easy for us to think that that's exactly what Christianity is all about, that Christianity is a bunch of really good advice. Advice about how we're supposed to think, advice about how we're supposed to talk, how we're supposed to act. And if we're really good Christians, then we're going to listen to that advice and we're going to follow that advice as well as we can. But Jesus didn't come proclaiming good advice. He came proclaiming good news. The very essence of Christianity, the very thing that God wants us to literally bite into is not good advice, it's good news. It's information about things that actually happened. Information about things that God himself did for us, that God himself entered into our world. That God Himself lived as one of us, that He died in place of us. It's the good news that God's favor, God's approval, and God's inheritance of eternal life are not things that you and I need to earn. These are things that are completely free gifts. Christianity is not a bunch of good advice that needs to be adhered to, it's simply good news that needs to be believed. Here's why that's so important when it comes to fishing for followers. Imagine that someone gave you some really good financial advice, for example. Someone said, you know, with the power of compound interest, if you save 10% of your pre-tax income for your entire working career, do you have any idea how early you'll be able to retire? Do you have any idea how comfortably you'll be able to retire? Any financial advisor would agree that that is good Sound advice. So how come so many people don't live their lives that way? Well, they find out. Boy, if I'm going to save 10%, it means that I can't afford DirecTV anymore. I can't afford the unlimited data subscription on my phone. I can't afford that vacation to Florida each and every year. When it comes to having to make sacrifices, suddenly even the best of advice isn't always followed. Here's why else it's important. When it comes to sharing advice and giving advice to others, usually we speak conditionally. Usually we sort of hedge our bets. We say things like, here's what works for me. Do you want to get back into shape like I was able to do? Well, I do cardio on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I lift weights on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have whole grain oatmeal for breakfast, a protein shake for lunch, and a sensible meal for dinner. That's what works for me. What's the implication? Something else might work just as well for you, right? Just because one thing is good advice doesn't mean that something else can't be just as good. That's why it's so important to realize that the Christian faith is not good advice, it's good news. It's not all about a bunch of things that we are supposed to be doing. It's about things that have been done for us. And friends, realizing that is the only thing that can cause us to say, you know what, no matter what I might have to walk away from, No matter what I might have to walk toward, I'm in. I am all in because this news, the news of what Jesus did for me and the implications that it has, this news is that good. Realizing that is the only thing that can cause us to look at the people that God has placed in our lives, to look at friends, family, and other loved ones and say, you know what, this isn't just my opinion This isn't just what works for me. If you and I are going to hang out in eternity the way that we enjoy hanging out now, this is what you need to know and believe. In fact, as crazy as it sounds, would you believe me if I told you that when it comes to going fishing for followers, you and I actually have it easier than Jesus did? In other words, if Jesus could pull it off as he did with these four men, you and I should have no problem whatsoever. Think about it for a second. When Jesus went proclaiming the good news, all of that good news revolved around him. He essentially showed up saying, Hey everybody, you know that thing you've been waiting for centuries for? You know that thing that gives you your only hope for eternal life? Well, ba-ba-ba-ba, here I am. A little awkward, isn't it? No wonder so many people thought he was a little bit crazy. You and I, when we go sharing that good news, we don't need to point to ourselves. We don't need to take any credit whatsoever. We can simply point to the good news of what someone else has done for us. Second reason it's easier for us is that when Jesus went proclaiming the good news, it wasn't really even news yet. It was a promise of the news that was to come. In fact, when he called these four fishermen, it was still three years away from when the headline on the Jerusalem Daily News, was going to read, Tomb found empty. Disciples claimed to see him. By the time these fishermen had to go out and start fishing themselves, those things had actually happened. When Jesus sends us, we don't have to point to things that we hope will happen in the future. We get to point back to things that have, in fact, already been done. Friends, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that, that large, squishy middle of the Christian faith. I'm not sure how it compares today with what it was like two decades ago or what it will be like two decades from now. But I do know this. Jesus doesn't want you to be there. Jesus wants to pull you out of that middle into a real active following relationship with him and he wants you to do the same for others. And if that's going to work, the only bait, the perfect bait that will do exactly what Jesus wants it to do is the good news of what Jesus has done for us. In fact, if we're looking for good news for the Christian faith, that's exactly where it is. Christianity's really good news is nothing more than the fact that Christianity is really good news. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.